Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Need another big third down conversion. Meyer looking to throw. Fires deep down the left side for Blythe, and he has the catch. Tiptoeing the sidelines. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Todd Blythe, his fourth of the day. Unbelievable. All right, Cyclone Nation, welcome. December, we've reached December 2021. Unbelievable. But uh, Meyer to Blythe Podcast, I'm your host, Brett Meyer, joined as always by my man. Todd Blythe. Todd, how are you? I'm doing well, Brett. How are you? I'm doing great. And the main reason why, obviously not because you're here, but because we have a special guest joining us tonight. We have the, uh, the, the, the turnaround king of Iowa high school football right now, um, a.k.a. Barry Alvarez, Dan McCarty, Mitch oh, Moore. Coach Mitch Moore. Coach Meyer, Coach Blythe, good to, good to see you guys. How are we you doing know, tonight? Good to see you, brother. Coach, Mitch. do you like Meyer? What's that? Hey, first offer I got out was uh, your your young son. How about that? Can we bring that up first and foremost? Congratulations! Absolutely, Thank congratulations you. to Brad Meyer oh, on, hey, on the birth Vince of his Meyer. son, Vince. Yeah, Vince Meyer joined us last Monday at about seven fifty a.m. Mitch, so Lil Vinny's gonna have Lil Vinny's gonna have his hand on the dirt though. That boy was built, was born at what? Like was 15? nine pounds, fifteen <laughs> ounces, so almost yeah, ten pounds. Exactly. Absolutely. Three technique knuckles no. in the dirt. <laughs> we, we, not, there'll be none of that. He will be, um, he'll be a skill player. Most likely quarterback. You know, he's he'll, be be, a, he'll be a thespian. <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever you have, whatever passion you have, you better chase it and I'll support it. But no, it's, uh, it's been good, man. It's been good. I appreciate the, uh, appreciate that. Mitch no, that's and awesome. And yeah, that's... No, it's been fun. It's uh diaper chains are different. I haven't been peed on yet, but mom, mom got peed on. We have, we have two other daughters. So, it's di- so diaper yeah. changes are different now. A little different. Oh yeah. yeah. Friendly fire coming in. Go, hey, you gotta look out for the pee pee now. Whole different ball game. I know it's been awesome, but um, let's get into it. Cause we've had, uh, hey, has, has anything happened in the last week? No, in college, real, in college yeah, football nothing. going on. It's um, you kind of see like trends and things change. And now the newest trend is, and I think it's due to uh, the new recruiting calendar and having a, a signing day in December, as opposed to just traditionally in February that schools are starting to fire coaches sooner mm-hmm. and coaches are starting to move before their seasons are over. And we've seen that in the last week, you had two schools that fired early and this is going to become a trend because I think they probably 
would be described as the schools that won the coaching hire season, if you will. And that's USC with Lincoln Riley and LSU with, um, uh, with, um, why am I drawing a blank? Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, Brian from Notre Kelly. Dame. So, yeah. <laughs> there's so many names out there right now, but, uh, and Mitch, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was kind of talk about, I mean, you're as plugged in cause you obviously coached at Iowa state and at whitewater and just, there's a ton of coaches from the trees and the people that, you know, and now coaching high school and having yeah. coaches come through to recruit your players. Like what is kind of the overall, the overall just kind of tenor of you know, everything right now. It, it really like this week is starting, starting to Monday coaches coming through. It was, that's the first thing everybody talks about. I mean, this, how, how crazy this is and how, what, what kind of times we're going through right now with coaches leaving jobs and, and doing it this early and you're leaving kids in limbo. And, um, it, I think it's just, everyone has the same sentiment. It's unfortunate. I don't know that there's a right answer. You know, what is the answer, but it's just, it's unfortunate situations for everybody. The guys are leaving at this time in the year, especially when seasons aren't even done, you know, guys are leaving with their, their seasons aren't done. You, you always ask kids. I feel this no matter if you're at the same place or you go to different places every year, it's a new leaf. There's a new culture. There's a new group leading, but, um, I think you always preach to finish that season and finish, finish the task you started. And I, you hate to see coaches a getting fired. How about the coaches that got fired in the big 12 Texas tech, they're winning games, TCU, they're winning games and coaches are getting fired in the middle of the season. What are you teaching these young kids? You know, the guys that are making the fires and the guys that are f- hiring guys in the middle of the season. I think that overall the sediment, and that's, that's bad for college football. Um, you know, moving jobs and, and, and doing what's, what's maybe best for your family or, or you've been in a place and you feel like you can go somewhere and get better. I, I think, I think we'd all agree. Um, you know, those are personal decisions that, you know, none of us are going to look at from the outside and know all the answers to, but the way in which it's being done, I think is the part that I think everybody says, this isn't, we got to find a better way to do it. How much of that do you think is a problem with, uh, I mean, social media, I mean, in the, in the old days, a coach leaves and it's easy to, you yep. know, you, you get to control the release. You get a chance to sit down and talk to the players, explain the situation. This is what what's is best for my family at this moment, blah, blah, blah. And now, I mean, information is released, you know, by the second and, and it's hard to keep, you know, nobody can keep wraps on things. Somebody's going to leak it to somebody. And even if it's not a media outlet in today's world, everybody's a media outlet. They throw it on Twitter, they throw it on Instagram and, and in the, in the span of, you know, two minutes, it's across the country. So uh, from that, I mean, again, like you said, you feel bad for the kids because it's just, it seems like it's happening the wrong way, but I don't know how do you stop it? Yeah. What, what right way. Right. But I think most coaches probably in a weird way are glad that it's leaked on social media because it might take the edge off a little bit. Cause if you're Brian Kelly and you got to walk into, you just call a team meeting and nobody knows anything about it. And you say you're leaving. That's a good point. Much harder conversation than lets them off the hook a little bit. Yeah. And like, and some of the coaches, like, you know, Brian Kelly talked to his team for like four minutes and people made a deal. Like, what do you want to do? Sit there for an hour and take questions. And I'm so sick of kids filming stuff. That's not supposed to be filmed. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you expect. It, it, It wasn't a great situation. He decided to leave. It got leaked. So he wasn't, you know, they didn't find out with him. It's not, you know, it's not good, but then I'm so sick of kids pulling up yeah. their phone and recording the, whether it's the Texas coach on the bus or, or this situation with coach Kelly. Yeah. yeah that, that sucks. That, that stuff is supposed to be, that's family stuff, yeah. you know, but what do you yeah, do? That doesn't exist anymore though. People film everything. 
Yep. Yeah. The perspective though you brought up, I was just thinking about this is, you know, I've so probably the three hardest days in my coaching career, you know, we're, we're not losses, but I remember leaving whitewater. Um, and I had a really close knit group of receivers and we'd won our third national title in a row. And, you know, you're just, that's, that's where I grew up. Right. You know, that's where football, I became football became part of my life. I had to leave that group and having to do that at a time before social media, um, you know, I, it left a mark certainly on my coaching life and how to do that. So then I, you know, you go to green County, um, and I knew it wasn't going to be there forever, but you never know when that situation is going to happen. And then of course at Roosevelt, which was, was really hard, you know, and, but not having it the leak on social media and have to bring the guys in and have to talk to them or have to do it a certain way. Um, I think that helped the relationship with the guys that I left because I did it that way. You know, there wasn't animosity. So I think I, I, you know, I, some coaches probably do do it that way. Brian Kelly, I don't know if he seems like a guy that would do it. Yeah. I don't know him, but I just, <laughs> those, those three days for me as a coach, man, I look back on that probably the hardest three days of my coaching career. Um, but I also feel like I did have some closure because I left with, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is the why. And, um, you know, you, you, felt, give like, it, you felt like you did it the right way. Yeah. You know, whether mm -hmm. it was again, what is the right way, but you felt like right. he has some kids. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can tell you this, I mean, those, those hard conversations and that, the, the fact that you, you know, feel that those emotional, you know, ties and things that's, that's your own fault because I, you know, I worked for you for two years at Roosevelt and I know the type of relationships that you build with the kids and with the, you know, the yeah. assistant coaches and stuff. And I've said this on this podcast before I've said it to anybody that'll listen to me. I think you're as good as anyone I've ever been around uh, when it comes to building relationships, building a pro uh, a program, developing excitement around that program. Um, and so those, those real relationships, um, you know, that's, that's something that you do as good as anyone I've ever seen in, in coaching across what, you know, football, basketball, any sport at any level. Uh, and so, yeah, those, those conversations are, I'm sure going to be hard for, you know, for somebody that cares like you do. And I think it's similar to what we saw out of uh, coach Campbell on senior day. You know, that's, yep. that's not normal to see a coach, you know, no. react like that and be that emotional. And, uh, you know, you don't see it very often. I I've seen it out of you. I've seen it out of coach Campbell and that's really where the list stops. And I I've been around a lot of football and seen a lot of coaches. So that's just my two cents on the, on the, the whole situation. Yeah. I think the, the emotion that coach Campbell showed is, I mean, that was, that it's was not real. Fake. No, it was yeah. absolutely yeah. real. And I, yeah, it was, it was great to see. And it made kind of some, national headlines, which I think it deserved, but yeah. you know, just transition into like some of the actual hires now. And, you know, it looks like I think his name is Marcus Freeman. I yeah. saw him. I think he was at, um, he was at the state title game this year. I saw him down he, the sidelines. He was. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, obviously looking at the Southeast Polk kids, but yeah, that's yeah. an interesting deal since, uh, the, the safety from Polk, um, Xavier, he, I mean, he had Notre Dame in his top three. You know, yep. he had kind of narrowed it down to what was it? Ohio state, Notre Dame and, and Iowa. Yeah. I'm yep. sure he probably still does. I don't think would guess that Brian Kelly probably wasn't the reason why, but no. And especially if they're going to keep him around and, and keep the OC, obviously he's, he's a defensive player at the college level, but if they're going to keep the core of the, the recruiters, but then also the assistant coaches, I think that that keeps a lot of their recruiting in place. Notre Dame has, a, they have the number four class in the country. There's six in the rankings right now. And I mean, essentially like Iowa, they could easily beat Michigan. 
So if that happens, and I think if Baylor beats Oklahoma State, which is basically like a toss-up game, like Notre Dame's in the playoff. Yeah. Yep. And, and their coach will laugh. That's what's but I do understand. And like I think that's what's so crazy this year is in years past, guys go to different jobs and they go to they go from uh yes. you know, a stepping stone job to the next level. This year it's different because we saw two guys leave blue blood programs. No like question. guys don't those are destination jobs. In years past, you don't see guys leave those jobs voluntarily. They get they get fired a lot, but they don't leave them voluntarily to go take another job. And that happened twice this year with Brian Kelly and uh, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. So that, I think that's what makes this this year. It's crazy every year, but I think that's what makes this year feel even stranger. And then obviously the fact that we have a hell of a head coach at Iowa State, and so he's on every list there is out there too. Yeah. And you think about like, look, has anybody ever left Oklahoma? Or anybody ever left Notre Dame? No, that's why they're so butthurt about it, which I love ever. watching OU melt down right now and talk about, it's well, not- we, the president say, well, we would have liked a little bit more he- heads up. What? Yeah, us too, dickhead. Everybody, everybody in the Big 12 would have liked a little bit more heads well, up. I too. promise you, every remaining Big 12 team and Bob Bowlesby and everybody is just, you know, because Texas is a mess. Sark's, I don't oh. think that's going to work out. He'll be gone no. after they start, you know, three and they're four. A, next they're a four year. win ball club in the SEC every year. Oklahoma, yeah, I mean, like Lincoln Riley, know what's he knows what's going on. His job got exponentially harder as soon as they made a jump to the SEC. Yeah, so you're he, also he getting. Said, you also getting 10 year guaranteed contracts, which I think these coaches have so much leverage now. Because yeah. You can keep the lights on for a while. If you're getting, you know, nine, 10 <laughs> mil a year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's some serious cheese right there. 10 million, yes. hundred, hundred and whatever North of a hundred million, 10 years. You're, you're seeing all the, it hasn't happened in Notre Dame yet. I don't think. And that's uh, probably because they're going to keep, you know, of, of who it looks like they're going to hire again, we're recording this on Wednesday night. So we're kind of getting uh, info as we're, as we're doing this, but um, you know, Oklahoma is losing. I think so far they've lost their top, you know, four, five-star kids, their top receiver running back and quarterback recruit. They have kids currently on the team. Mims, their top receiver uh, has come out and said he's entertaining the idea of, of entering the, tra- uh, the transfer portal. I mean, guys are jumping ship from recruits to, to their current stars on the team. Spencer Rattler's already gone. We knew that was going to happen regardless. Um, you got to wonder if Caleb Williams is going to stick around. Does he decide he wants to move West? I mean, oh, it's, who knows office. what's going to happen? Did you see that? That's what the kids. The kids were telling me at Waste tonight that he took OU quarterback off his Twitter handle. Really? Caleb yeah. Williams did. Yeah, that was there. That, see, yeah, you're I more didn't... plugged in than anybody because you got a bunch of teenagers that live oh, on yeah. social media that, that are following this stuff all day and just sit around and talk about it. But <laughs> it, it was funny because Brett, you brought this up. You're like, man, I don't know if Xavier's going to Notre Dame for Kelly, um, and and I just I agreed with you. Um, but the sentiment would be different for the Oklahoma. Think about all the guys at USC that have flipped their commitment to USC for the coach. So you've got two different, and I think that's probably an indication of how those two programs run. Notre Dame was run by a bunch of people in a certain way, and he's probably hoping to do that at LSU. Whereas I think Riley in Oklahoma, I think a lot of that juice did come from him and his personality and what he brought to that program. Um, and they're, I think they both do it different ways. But I would agree with you. I don't. Were kids coming to, um, you know, were they coming to Notre Dame for necessarily Brian Kelly? I don't know. I think you're coming for the prestige and you're coming for all the other things that Notre Dame's bring with you. I don't know if you're necessarily coming for Brian Kelly. Now, from the stories L- we hear, I would say probably not. Well, I think probably. when you're, it's uh, yeah. the more stories that come out about Coach Kelly, he's he's not a great 
doesn't sound like he's a great guy. And again, I mean, not the three of us, I don't, none of us know him yeah, personally, yeah, who knows, but, know him, but yeah, he just comes yeah. off as very, you know, chin up kind of smug, I guess he will, if he will. Arrogant. But yeah. And I think the, the, you know, those coaches, he's 60 years old. I mean, um, Ferentz is what, 60 some years old. Lincoln Riley's 38, Matt Campbell's 42. A lot of these younger, younger coaches are going to be much more tuned in to yep. recruiting. Just the game has changed. The game yeah. has changed. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Recruiting has changed. And, and I think they're going to be on the road recruiting and be the face of the recruiting more, whereas, you know, Brian Kelly's smart and goes and gets somebody like a Marcus Freeman and, and promotes Tommy Reese. And yeah, you know, those guys are the face of your recruiting. And then, you know, he comes in and closes the deal. And I'm sure that's probably what somebody like a Ference does. And he's probably yeah. not out there. On, you know, maybe he is, but he's probably reached a status and where he doesn't have to do that, where some of these younger coaches do. And I, I agree with you hundred percent, Mitch. And, you know, Notre Dame is taking a big gamble on first time head coach, but similar to what we did in basketball, like find the guy that hire the guy that gets the guys and look how that yep. works out. Right. TJ brought in who Niang and Monte and all those guys. And you know, Mark is, <laughs> you look at all the recruits that probably are Notre Dame probably won't lose a recruit now. No. And, and you think about it. We talked about this a little bit before we hit record tonight is, you know, we all wondered, and we're surprised a little bit, the Notre Dame, a blue blood with that kind of history. And, and probably, I mean, who knows, this is just my perception of Notre Dame, but probably a more old school mentality and, and kind of how they run things than, you know, even other blue blood programs, would they be okay hiring a, what is he 35, a 35 year old first time head coach at Notre Dame. Uh, and that was one of the reasons we didn't hire TJ the first time around for basketball at Iowa state. Right. It basically got shut down. They said, well, he doesn't have any head coaching experience. And that, that was at Iowa state. Now, granted, we have a good basketball program historically, but it's not, you know, Notre Dame football good. And that, yeah. so that that's actually, that's surprising to me that they're uh, they're They've decided to go that route. And I think it's just been, you know, basically the, the groundswell of support that that guy has got from the current players, the alumni, uh, the recruits, you know, anybody that knows him seems to be like, they're standing on a table and saying, this is a guy we need to have. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, you know, you got, you got to give props to the AD who's probably saying, Hey, we've, we've got to go in a polar opposite direction maybe of what we had and, and create another way to sell our head coach, you know, sell the head coach and sell somebody that's going to be in front of our program. But I, you know, and the other part about Brian Kelly is LSU and Brett, you might've brought this up earlier this afternoon is, People are, people grow up in that state and you're going to go to LSU. I mean, like if you get an opportunity to go there, you're going to go there. It doesn't, you know, whether it's Orjan or whether it's Kelly or whether it's whoever was coaching there, there's a, you grow up in that state of LSU and people want to play football. The best players in the state want to play there. So what the Texas best, used to be. That's how, te <laughs> yeah, right. You know, but so it'll, it'll be interesting. You know, even looking at, I was looking at the, the West standings today in the SEC and I know it, but it just never, it never shocks you. You look at that thing. You're like, Holy cow. There, there's six teams in there and beat anybody in the country on any given day. You know, in one, and one loaded. half of the country. Yeah, absolutely loaded. And that's, that's why Lincoln Riley said, I don't really want to do that year in and year out. <laughs> I'm going to go to the pac 12. Who's, you know, I don't want to say garbage, but they're not, you know, no, they're, but I not, play they're not as bad as the big 10, but yeah. If he gets so, OU had three of the, I saw this stat today. OU had three of the top seven players in the state of California committed all five-star guys. Yes. And the other remaining four were uncommitted. I know a couple of those guys have already flipped to SC like, and the rest of them will. So like when Pete Carroll had obviously USC rolling, 
California yep. was on lockdown. Reggie Bush, lockdown. that liner. It yep. doesn't matter. Everybody. They wouldn't go down to Florida and get the top linebacker, Keith Rivers. It didn't matter who it was. Like, they were going to SC. And yep. now, like, Lincoln's going to do – he's going to lock down Southern California. Yeah, and th- and that's the power of personality as as a head coach. and Or, or maybe or, not a head coach, but as a recruiter. But you look what happened to SC. It looked like they're a dynasty that would run for, you know, 20, ever. 30 years. And Pete Carroll goes to the NFL. And they – I mean, quickly they fell off. And yep. God, I would love that to happen to Oklahoma. I don't know if it will, but you see you, I mean, USC was smart enough to say, you know what? We need that dynamic personality, uh, in the big office. And they went and got it with Lincoln Riley. And it looked There's like no he doubt. was, he was looking to shop himself. Uh, I don't think he was consulted very much on the move to the sec. So now Oklahoma is going to have a rude awakening because their, their new normal is going to be, you know, if they get the right schedule breaks and who knows how they're going to divvy up the divisions. I mean, <laughs> You know, they're eight, seven, eight, nine wins. That's going to be that's going to be a, a good year sometimes. Yeah, and every that's year, never 10, 11 wins. Yeah, I mean, and I get it's money, money talks. It's all about money, but I mean, damn, did they have a really good in the Big Twelve? <laughs> I mean, they yeah. were the they were the team in the Big Twelve. Texas was a big brand name, but they were you know not not the program that Oklahoma is at least currently. But uh, God, I just outside of just saying, yeah, we're going to get a huge check every year. I mean, for the longevity of actually uh, having a winning program, that move does not make sense. Mm-hmm. To me. Well, dirty little secret, right? I mean, think about dating back to like the old big eight days. Why do you think Nebraska and Oklahoma have so many titles? It was yeah. the, the conference was weak. It was them. That's all it was. It was and, and look what happened to those. But, look what yeah. happened to Nebraska when they went to the big 10. Oh, realignment does not work for, I mean, I'd no, say no. the only school that's come out ahead in realignment maybe is, you know, recruiting wise and, and, and maybe like an A&M, like Texas A&M has yeah. raised their profile. But right. now, the reason what the reason why they went was because they wanted an advantage over Texas. That's gone now. Mm-hmm. So like right. realignment, like ask a Nebraska fan, ask a Missouri fan. Mitch, we talked about this today. Missouri. Colorado went to the Pac-12, which isn't a good conference. You don't hear about those schools. No, when they're we, nothing. Yeah, you don't play in college. Non-existent. Mitch, when we played in college, Todd, you know this. We played against Missouri. Like they had some dogs. They were good. You know, Brad Smith, Chase Daniel, Witherspoon, yeah. Jeremy Macklin, those tight ends they had, they were putting guys yes. in the NFL. They were, you know, first, they could second, recruit the yeah, South. They could recruit Texas. They, they used to make a killing in Texas. Yep. And now they're completely just an afterthought. I mean, they're complete afterthought. Same thing with Nebraska. Obviously, we know their struggles. Colorado, I mean, Rutgers, like, give me a break. Realignment does not work for these schools, but they're cashing checks and obviously that's what it's about but it'll be interesting to see i mean OU you and text good luck and you know i don't i don't blame lincoln riley at all i don't blame brian kelly at all no, and, and that's the thing i think that gets lost both those guys okay. are getting shit on a lot but if they decided sat down talked to their family the ones closest to them that they you know got to look in the eye every night when they come home and decided this is what's best for our family and and for me and my career then go for it. Then, then make the yeah. move. Like I, I'm never going to say somebody, you know, unless Matt Campbell leaves, <laughs> but I'm never going to say somebody made the wrong decision, um, for, for them personally. It's just unfortunate how things play out. And again, I don't necessarily think it's, you know, Lincoln Riley's fault or Brian Kelly's fault, how things played out in the, in the media with social media. I'm sure they didn't leak it. Um, so right. it's, not necessarily their fault, but it is, I mean, it's unfortunate for, you know, a group of 105 or 115, 18 to 22 year olds that got to find out on social media. And from what I've heard, there were some assistant coaches that were sitting in living rooms when it came across the the bottom line on ESPN. That's tough. 
Jeez. Well, I was just saying, I mean, we're walking out of the game, the TCU game. Um, the game's not over at Iowa State the other night, and TCU's naming their head coach. I'm like, who? why is – what opportunity – I mean, this makes no sense. Why would you do it at this time? How does that happen? Probably have to. They know it'll get leaked. And, and they, if they want to control the story at all, they've got to be, be the now. first to let it go. Yeah. I think the yep. agents basically run the show. Like there was, there's no question. I mean, the, so the same, I think the same, the same agent represents basically like, I think it was Jamie Pollard on his interview today was talking about, he did an interview on cakes and I was talking about how the agents will represent the coaches getting fired and then represent the coach that they're hiring. Hiring. Same they'll, get guy. Paid, they'll get paid on the buyout and then they'll obviously get paid on the new deal. And it's just like, like, what do you do if you're an AD? Cause you know, your job relies on this coach. That's probably why like, you know, the Notre Dame gig, this AD has, he's like regarded as one of the best in the country and he has standing at his university. Like he can take a risk on a, on a first time head coach. Yeah. He's yeah. got some political capital at the school. Yeah. He can do that. Kind of like how Jamie would be at Iowa state where he's, he's made enough great decisions and built himself up where he can take a risk on a TJ this, this time around. Um, yep. you know, cause T it's not like TJ was, you know, blowing the doors off people at UNLV. Um, but he's come in and our, you know, basketball team is undefeated. They, they won by 30 or so tonight. Uh, and, and that looks like a good hire now, but it, there were a lot of people that didn't like it when it first happened. But another thing I wanted to touch on tonight and Mitch, you can speak on this is something that gets lost in all of this is there's a lot of people that are involved in a football program that aren't making four five, six million dollars oh, like the head coach. No Every question. time a head coach gets fired or a head coach leaves somewhere, there's assistant coaches, there's, you know, GAs, because guys want to bring their own GAs in. Uh, there's support staff and families that are now, you know, if they're lucky enough to move on with the with the with the coach, great. But there's a whole group of people that get lost and aren't talked about in the media that are now in limbo about what's going to happen in their lives. So, I mean, Mitch, you kind of went through this with, uh, yeah, with coach Rhodes going to Campbell. So talk about that a little bit. You no, know, a couple of times I went through it as a player. Um, I was at whitewater. We lost our coach right before I was a senior. And, and so I saw that with some of the GAs and some of the young coaches, especially the division three world. And then at Iowa state, I was there with coach Rhodes and then stayed with coach Campbell. So I saw, you know, and this isn't, this isn't easy on either side. And, and coach Campbell would be the first to tell you six years ago when he was letting guys go that he didn't really know that he knew were good men and had good families and had good kids, you know, like that's not an enjoyable experience for him, but he just trusted in his process and knew he was going to bring the right people in. But it, it is, it's, it's a situation that's, um, you know, the head coach makes a lot of money. Uh, coordinators make really good money. Even some of your position coaches don't make enough money to be fired for six months of the year, or eight months of the year, and not have another job that way ever equate to what they're making. I mean, so it is, you, you put a lot of families, um, in limbo and stress, especially in that world, because a lot of, the, not a lot, almost every family result revolves around the coach, the coach in that family. I mean, and I know that sounds it's, it's just reality. It's a division one world, your life, your vacations, your family holidays, your birthday it revolves around what's going on in the, in the coaches' lives. And so, um, you know, when they get fired, it, it is, it's your whole life going, Holy cow, we got to take another direction here. And then when, when coach Kelly gets hired today, I was thinking that. So is he surely had to consult his guys and go, Hey, we're going to take this LSU job. Are you coming with me? I know coach Campbell would never take a job without talking to his guys. I mean, just working with him, I know his loyalty and trust. 
I'd never have at the high school level. Not one second would I do it without talking to my guys first. Hey, is this something that we could? So isn't that interesting how that all went down with coach Kelly and then the, the coordinators stay. I mean, who, where did the trust get lost there? Was he not going to take them? But, you know, back to your first question, Todd, or whatever, in reference to that, it, it really is. There's a lot of, there's a lot more people that get affected than just the big names that are calling the plays or running the show. And it's, and it's unfortunate. And, and, and people do make good money at that level. And so I'm not here um, feeling sorry for some of those people, but there are people that just make a good living and they're out of a job and they can't turn around and get a job the next week in that field. That's just not how it works. That's the thing is, the is, part. is coaching is that there's, there's a finite number of jobs, yes. a very finite number of jobs. And, yep. and I mean, I did, I, I was a college football coach for a number of years. Um, yep. at, at that point, like college football coaches, you know, this, I mean, you're, you're a coach by trade. Like we can't do other shit a lot of times. Like I was fortunate no, enough like to, to be able to yeah, switch I can't careers. Change the light bulb in my exactly. I, I was fortunate enough to be able to switch careers and I was young enough to, to make it work and, 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 you know, get in a good spot and all that. But you know, somebody who's been a lifer, you know, who's, who you're looking at a guy who's not ready to retire. They're, you know, 45, 50 years old. They've been a yeah. coach their entire life. They can't go plug themselves into the the corporate world. I guarantee you, they just it, it wouldn't no. happen. It wouldn't work. There's there's a a limited number of jobs out there that work, and yeah, those guys. I mean, you were at the D one level. Position coaches are making a couple hundred thousand dollars. They you know they can keep the lights on for a while if they need to. Sure. This happens at every level. That's the thing. Every I mean, level. talked about at D one AA or at the D two level. You no. know, it happens less as far as firings probably at that level. But D one AA is you know, as ruthless as anywhere. And yeah. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. The pay is terrible. The pay, the pay for like position coaches sucks. So it, yeah, it's, it's, I, I do, you know, just, just want to bring that up. That's something that gets lost in the shuffle. I think a lot of times with all this, um, that that's, it's, it's, you know, that's tough on those families and those coaches. So it's, it's I, I do trust this. So, you know, guys and going back to coach Campbell is what, what I can almost assure you is that, he's doing an unbelievable job of communicating with his staff on all these things. And he doesn't have an agent. He doesn't, you know, he, he's, he's just doing all the speculation. He's got his head down and he's probably recruiting for Iowa state no matter what, you know, and he's he doesn't got have an staff. agent. That's crazy. He doesn't have an agent. No, he doesn't have an agent. And so, and, and I, you know, I know this from experience too. He'll go through times. He doesn't answer his phone or text or whatever. And so, you know, most of the stuff that is out there on the internet, there's no way that there's any truth to it because he didn't give an answer to that, you know, and that's just, <laughs> there's no truth to it. Cause he hasn't said a word. He's right. He hasn't, he hasn't picked up the phone in 48 hours. He hasn't so. picked up the phone. No, no, he's just, yeah, he's not. So it's, it is, it, it is what a, what a week though for college football and all that stuff. I mean, it, and I don't know, does it, it doesn't, I don't think it necessarily sheds a great light on how we're doing it. You know, I mean, I think it, it something's got to be different. Yeah, the I think the money is insane. I mean, the money has gotten to a point now. I don't know if, I don't know if it's even possible to salary cap coaches, but I mean, there yeah. were rumors of, uh, of Brian Kelly got offered 15 million a year. I don't know what he, what the, it ended up being his actual salary there, but I mean, you're, you're paying a guy to coach football, to coach a kid's game. And I get, I love football as much as anybody. I, I coached it, Mitch, you know, you, you're a head coach. I, but you're paying somebody to coach football, you know, 10, 12, $15 million a year. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. When there's other things that, 
that money could go to. I mean, I get it. Pam is the highest paid person in the university that I I'm all on board for that, yeah. but there comes a point when there's other things that need financial help. Yeah. And I get like a football program at that level brings in, you know, tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, a year to the university. So I yep. get that part of it, but God dang, like I don't, I'm, college coaches are working 120 hours a week. They don't have, they don't have the time to spend any money. Anyway. They're not spending money on anything. Yeah. <laughs> in their house. Uh, yeah, exactly. Or in the case of uh, Lincoln Riley at USC, they bought him a $6 million house. So that's a nice little bump. And there. paid off and bought both of his houses for $500,000 more than asking price. She's just finding ways to get him little bonuses. Million dollars because he was, was building little bonuses. House. Bonuses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was he was building another house there. Yeah. He was building another house. Yeah. So, so they they bought both of them for five hundred five hundred thousand dollars over asking. So that was an extra million dollars in his pocket for both those, and then bought him a six million dollar house in L.A. And then also gave he and his family unlimited access to a private three sixty five. Yeah. Think. You know, think about the timeline there, though, guys. Like, at some point, him and his wife, I hope, they sat down and said, hey, are we going to start digging a hole for this house? Yeah, cool. We're going to be here for a while. Well, that wasn't very long ago. They started well, digging before they made the SEC. I mean, move. these convert, you know how this works, right? The agents are back channeling everything, and they're talking to their clients. Like, hey, yes. the, yeah, this, this didn't happen overnight. This weeks. was in he the works. He may not have, like, officially yeah. talked to USC, but sure. contract is in front of him, deals in place, you're our guy. So he's known for a while, I would just you have to assume that they yes. know same thing with brian kelly it's like yeah as soon as even, yeah even if they weren't participating know. you know they gave their they gave their agent the okay to go talk to these schools and the agent was dealing and, and doing everything they need to do and then when it once it got finalized it got slid in front of the the coach and they said okay yep i'm on board so yeah so how great is it these anybody trying to get a hold of campbell nobody can <laughs> oh my no, gosh. I know that's what's killing me is like it's just yeah, I mean it's just he's gone dark. not best. that he's ever on social media, but he's just agents? been completely dark for the fa- the past 72 hours. How many like, agents on, give us something. How many agents do you think call him and want to get a hold of him and want to sign all, him? all of the agents. All of them. All of them. Yep. Oh man. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, it's been a crazy year of college football just as a whole. I mean, do we want to talk about that a little bit? We want to talk about uh, just kind of recap Iowa State's season now that the regular season is in the books. And let's let's look at the, the conference title games. What do you guys think is going to happen? Oh, I don't know. The SEC, I think Georgia wins. They're they're. I'm a, I'm on an Alabama train. I think them. so too. And I think, so what does that do? If, if Alabama wins, they're one loss team. They're in, they're in the full Georgia's final four. In. Does Georgia stay in, in as a one loss? Yeah, okay. Cincinnati. I mean, they're, they're going to be in unless, I mean, I don't know what they have left, but. They play Houston. <sighs> yeah. They play Houston's okay. ranked. Our boy, Dana will dial them up. Holgerson, he's the head coach. There. I mean, they could be, <laughs> oh, yeah. They're going to have just many athletes. The game I'm intrigued about is, I mean, obviously ACC, who cares? The big 10 game is going to be, did you I, see think, I think Michigan game. will run away. I think Michigan will run away with that thing. I think Michigan, for the first time since Harbaugh has been there, I, I've been the first one to call them frauds every single year. I think for the first time, they're they're for real. a legit football team. Yeah. Did you see the quote? I saw this on Twitter today from the Iowa quarterback number seven. Oh yeah. He goes, he said, it's like Michigan's pass rush. He wanted to compliment him, but he was like, it's, he said, it's not like a big 12 game where you can just sit back there. I'm thinking to myself, you can't like, be garbage and throw shade. <laughs> like, like, sorry. We, we win in spite of you. You are absolutely like you suck. Like, come and, on. and I saw somebody else like uh commented on the tweet or something. He's only been sacked 
uh, like more times than Iowa state did one time. So it was one big 12 experience. He got rushed as hard as anybody that, that they faced this year. I mean, the guy completes like 50% of his passes. Yeah. He, I, I don't like, I mean, Brett, we talk about this. We try and stay away from like talking bad about these 20 year old kids, but oh, he's, he's garbage. He came out so. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> no, I'm telling you, whatever. I'm sure he's, you know, he's a, he's a big probably kid. A, a very nice kid, but struggles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, but, that's not what but, but have an idea of what you're talking about. Like yeah. five, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, big 12, that was probably the case. Big 12 was all about offense. There wasn't a lot of defense. Oklahoma State's got that's a great not defense. the case anymore. We have, when we've at times had a great defense, like it's not, no. That, yeah. that's a that's a tired lazy take but mm. i don't know michigan it's gonna it, that was a big deal for them to beat ohio state so they're gonna i was to happy to see that, that for no quickly. other reason that that keeps that rivalry relevant because it's yeah. getting to the point it's like you can't call it the the big game the anymore the game because it's been eight eight years since you since michigan won so mm-hmm. yeah it'll be a good game i think michigan michigan's a better team but you they know, are. I, I think even in games. that game, they proved it. Mich- Michigan's a good football team. And yep. Harbaugh, he's done it. What, he went 11 his first year there, I think. I mean, it's yeah. he really hasn't, other than meeting Ohio State, he hasn't won one big game a year against a ranked team in the top 10. It's not like he's had bad records there other than one year, right? No, they'd be, I mean. Well, he plays in a shit conference. The big time well, stinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I know you uh, live in Iowa city and talk, yeah, you know, yeah, our, I, our clothes, I, I, you know, talk, have contact with the, uh, the Iowa staff. So you got to be careful. Probably, there's too but, much. Uh, imbalance they they, they don't listen to this podcast. I guess yeah, they're, they're not listening no. to the blind to Meyer. They got beat by this too many times. And they're, they're not listening. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the schedule in the big 10, always cracking Nebraska this year played, they played Ohio state. They played Michigan state. They played Michigan. I was, so their schedule was hard. Yeah. They, yeah, they played out of conference, Oklahoma. Like it was, and you look at, you know, Iowa's schedule, they won the games or whatever, but that's yeah. why they're not even, you know, it doesn't matter if they win. They're like, yeah, you're not getting the playoffs. Doesn't matter. Somebody, somebody needs to fact check me on this, but I heard this the other day. So, uh, Nebraska lost, well, they lose nine games this year. The three nine, and nine. games by one, every loss was yeah. by one score or less. Yes. It was single digit losses all the way, all the, the way across the ever. board. But from somebody told me this and again, fact check me, please. Um, cause I'm not going to do the research myself, but, uh, the, their point differential was even, they lost nine games and because all of their losses no were so close that their point differential was even across the board as a nine loss team. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's unbelievable, but it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, if they won their three games by, you know, a couple of scores apiece, playing cupcakes at the beginning of the year, and then all nine losses are by single digits or one score. That's, that's very, could very easily be true. Even if it's not completely even, it's got to be close. And God, they were so close in so many games. Yeah, they were. What, it, I really so wanted them across. to pull that out, pull year? out that Iowa game. Yeah. I think so. I mean, there were yeah, some one programs year. who have waited on their coaches and, and got rewarded, like, you know, Harbaugh. Yeah. And Nebraska was better this year. Like, they're making, they just got to find a quarterback. It doesn't turn the ball over and cost them so much. And with Scott Frost too, like even in, you know, I watched a little bit of the Iowa game. It's like you're backed up. Iowa's got momentum, freshman quarterback drops back. Yeah, what are you doing? Intentional grounding end zone safety. It's like, what are you doing? Run the ball. And kick. Yeah. Like exactly. little yeah. stuff like that. You would think a coach who's. And he's been better. a great offensive mind. I mean, what he did at Oregon, what he did at, at, at UCF. It's not yep. like he's a, a brand new, he's a new head coach. Well, I mean, he was a head coach at UCF, but 
I mean, he's been coaching ball for a long time. That's that's yeah. Not but this is UCF has you know they had they they were built to win. They had they were national champs in 2017 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is and they put up the a banner or something. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, banners up. God. But, I mean, right, Nebraska was... fired their entire offensive staff. You go on their website and look at their staff. There's nobody no, on offense no on. Coaches. So who's coaching offense for them? I'm, psh, GAs. I mean, the the ops guys That's are on the field running, running Indo drills with the running backs. I don't know. I mean, you gotta figure got to figure out wise running the yeah running <laughs> Indos with receivers. I mean, I'm sure Frost is taking quarterbacks and probably taking receivers and doing joint stuff. But yeah. I mean, so is there is there a O line GA that's that's taking the O line? That's it's an awfully important position to to give to a you know 26 year old 27 year old guy that's getting started in coaching. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know how that's. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Probably just meet it. Meet as a segment. Meet as a whole offense, and let let Frost run the show. But yeah, that's. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It'd be. I'd be interested to to hear how that has run the last few weeks since they fired their entire staff. Unbelievable. Me too. I'd be. I, I can't imagine them doing it. Well, what they, what they do with Frost? Uh, his contract. They they cut it by a million for next year, and then also cut his buyout in half so they can fire him for cheap. Is that? Essentially, he's got one year, and then that's what they're going to reevaluate after one year. You know, so so then what do you do? You're four games in, and you're one and three. Is he out? I mean, you know, like there you are. You're hopefully by game six, we're four and two. If not, guys, we'll be we'll just be hanging out here the next five games. Yeah, that's. I don't know. It, it's I, I've done a full 180 on Nebraska from hoping they lose every game to now I'm to the point where it's like man, like. I almost hope they start winning games because they don't play in the big 12. So I really don't care. And it's almost to the point where it's, you know, it's embarrassing like, a little bit. How can, how can this historic of a program be this bad? Cause when Nebraska is exactly. good, good for college football, two thirty exactly. Saturday, you want to watch Nebraska in a sold out Lincoln Memorial. At least I want to see them beat Iowa. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, I mean, one, one, win a year I'm really rooting for. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, Mitch, tell me, you know, Brett and I have talked throughout the season about Iowa State football. What do you think? What were your thoughts? Uh, you know, what were your expectations well, going into the year? What were your thoughts on the season? You know, and I got, I got to watch a couple games in person and watched everyone on, on uh, at least TV. And I, I thought Brees Hall, just to, that, what, that last game, that's what sticks out to me. I think we'll always will with this season. Just what an incredible player, you know, hope, hope he comes back or really hope for him. He does whatever's best for him, but what an incredible football player. And, and to follow David Montgomery, I, I still got visions of Montgomery, his first day on campus running sprints with the younger kids, kids that got in there and you're like, Holy cow. He was violent. He was, he had such good body control and Brees coming in and then can do all that stuff with great pace and vision and speed in the open field. I mean, he's in it I, to me. He's, he's one of those backs. You see him and you're like, he's as pretty as advertised. He does everything. Well, he's smooth. He catches the ball. He's a, he is, you know, I know we overuse the word elite, at least the guy up in Minnesota does, but he's elite, you know, I mean, <laughs> he he's, he's absolutely an elite back. Um, so I thought that part was fun. And then to watch an offense in, in the last five to six years, I think tight ends have been so, so integral and in not only the NFL, but what we do offensively schemes with our personnel in college and to have the number of tight ends and the greatest tight end in, in probably Iowa state history, just to, to watch that this year. And I know we didn't win as many games. We all wanted to, but they did some really efficient things. They had some really good players. It was fun to watch offensively. And then, you know, defensively, um, 
I think the scheme just continues to evolve. It's one of the best schemes in, in football right now. Um, so, so many people watch it from afar, you know, I mean, so many people watch Iowa state football, even in terms of cutups, like, you know, in the coaching profession, just so, so it's fun to watch it when you're watching it live because you're watching um, a defense that's, that's, you know, really developing um, week after week, year after year into maybe the best defense schematically in all of football. So I think from that standpoint, from a, I, I taking it from my standpoint as, as a coach and a profession, they're just such a fun team to watch. You've got electric players offensively, Coach Manning and 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 obviously Coach Campbell do a terrific job offensively with just manipulating defenses. And then you've got Coach Haycock who does such a great job um, with his schemes and his schematics. And and were we overmatched at times with teams that were probably better than us, uh, top twenty-two? I yeah, I, I suppose that's right. But I think as a Cyclone fan with these guys at the helm we can be in every football game that they're ever coaching because they're that good at what they do. And so I, that's just fun for, you know, for all of us, the three of us that know football the way we do um, watching Iowa state football with these guys here is so fascinating, right? Cause it's just, you're, you're going to see something new every Saturday. You're going to see something um, where they've, they've really game planned and beat the opponent schematically, you know I mean? So it's just, it's a fun, it's a fun program to watch, you know, from that standpoint, but um, you know, I, 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 Chris Williams said something about this the other day, how he just, it's an end of an era. You, you feel like, Holy cow. There's just, there's this group is what, when the Yang left, it was, it was when Pfizer and Tinsley left in 01, it was, you know, it was when you guys left. I mean, there was a, there was, there's just an era when you watch kids develop for three or four years. And I, I talk about this with my team is, you know, you, you develop and you love kids because of some of the struggle. And so we did get to see some of these guys and go through some of their struggle, but man, did we see some of their triumphs and, and victories too, that were really, really fun for all of us. But um, at the end of that game, I was leaving and thinking about what a performance breach was. And, you know, I'm not, we'll never going to see Brock Purdy again. And, and I say, you for like, God damn, man, he was, what a player, what a special kid. It's crazy. Man, it feels like he's been there man. for, for 10 years. I mean, we've yeah. been watching them for four, but it feels like a lot longer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, just, you get invested in these kids' stories when you, when do. you watch them play for that long. Yeah, yep. I, I got it. Yeah, sorry. Go I, ahead. I, I got a sense from the guys who like you know Brock and and Charlie Kohler and Brees. Like, if Brees comes back to school, like I'm I'm, I'm gonna go, go look him up and like, hey, please go to the NFL. Like, he doesn't yeah. he shouldn't carry for, carry the ball for free again. And Between hoping, the three of no. us, he, he doesn't need a bowl game either. No, he didn't. No, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I don't want to play no. a bowl game either. Um, no. But I think there was a sense of, like, they were proud of, like, hey, man, like, when we got here, our program was, you know, in a tough spot and we left. Like, we're, you know, we're, yeah. we're established and we're, we're a program that people recognize and respect. And and that, that, to me, is, like, the most, like, leave it better than you found it. And those guys absolutely did. So, and yeah. for me, the way I look at it is – you know, like I love, like one of my favorite things to do is when NCAA tournament time comes around and Iowa state is in the mix. That's why yes. I, last year it was miserable. Yeah. hated basketball, but you and love you it. Well, yeah. And this year it's like, I'm in, I want to know, like, I want to get to know who our guys are, where they're from. I want to learn about them. And like, yeah. we're, we're in the mix We're seven and no top 20. And that's kind of where we are with football. Now every year we're in the mix. We're talked about. Yep. Like this year we were, some people picked us in the playoff, maybe a little bit overrated, but coming off what we had last year with the guys coming back, it made a lot of sense, but we're in the mix. We're in the conversation. And that to me is 
that's a sign of a program that has an unbelievable foundation. And, yeah. you know, these guys that just, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why coach Campbell was emotional on senior days, because he knows that, like, he knows how important those guys were. And like, we're going to sign a top 20 class this year. So yeah. we're not going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. year, this year it was disappointing, but damn it. It was fun. I mean, yeah. so many people, I mean, just as a fan now, I mean, Brett and I, you know, we, we don't coach, we, you know, we certainly can't play anymore. Those, those days are long past. So we're, we're simply fans at this point. And to, to just be sitting there on Saturday and watch a game either, either in the stadium or from my couch and watch it on TV. I mean, I'm still so invested with, with every snap, every down out there because of where this program is, is, I mean, it was just so much fun this year and, and yeah, we were sad. We were disappointed, uh, on, on certain Saturdays, but it was just a lot of fun. And I think the basketball team's getting back there, but to Brett, your to your point, when you're competitive and when you're in the hunt for something bigger than just what's happening that day, uh, that's when, that's when it really gets, uh, it gets to be a lot of fun just to be a fan. So yeah. Um, real quick, I'll, before we get out of here, Mitch, I appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Uh, I want you to talk about, uh, you know, just, just what's going on at, at city high in Iowa city. I, I got a chance to see you up close and personal and, and work under you for two years at Roosevelt. So I know what it's like. I've, I've said it on the podcast. I've said it to anybody that'll listen, what I think of you as a head coach and a leader of men. Um, but yeah, you just, uh, give us your, I, I know, I know high school coaches don't recruit, but you know, hypothetically, give us your recruiting give, pitch. Yeah, why, why hypothetically, give, well, give us your pitch. Well, I'll give on, you why city high, on why no. city high. Yep. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, uh, coach. And, and, um, yeah, it was, like I said earlier, it was, it's always hard leaving a place, especially the place like Roosevelt with those kids and the, the families in that community, but, you know, getting a chance to come to city high, move my family and, and come to this place and started just you and I, all of us, well, the three of us growing up when you knew high school football, it was, it was, I was city high. It's just, a, there's a prestigious, pageantry around um this place the east side of iowa city the importance of athletics um it, it intermixed with the with the high school and so uh you know when i came here um the program had been down a little bit and hadn't won some games for a while and it was really just just needed some new life needed some new energy there was a bunch of winners here a bunch of great kids big senior class and um we, we just we had a fantastic year and so i think the, the story behind it is we did it with, we did it with two quarterbacks who were sophomores who had never taken a snap at quarterback in, in their lives. We, we did it with multi-sport athletes. You know, we've got one of the best wrestlers in the country who's um, now one of the best football players probably in the country coming back. We've got a guy who's going to play shortstop at Iowa, um, Dan Gable's nephew and Gable Mitchell. Um, we've got just a bunch of multi-sport guys that play basketball guys that run track and, and the big selling point was like, let's just continue to grow in this class and play sports and get, get up all your buddies out for football and let's make it fun. And it, it, it just, it happened real fast. Of course it doesn't happen. I've got an unbelievable group of assistant coaches, coach McGacky, coach Blythe you coached with and coach McCam, who I coached with at Iowa state. He actually coached at Oklahoma um, for a couple of years, coached uh, at Lewis central where Max Duggan, now the quarterback at TCU, he coached him in high school. So I've got just a, a really good Jordan Harris, former Iowa state cyclone. He's our linebackers coach. Um, just so I've got to, again, put together a really unique group of staff who does an unbelievable job of relating to kids. And, um, and then of course you win games cause you've got really good football players. I mean, we developed them fast, but they were good athletes and, and we ended up going to the semifinals. So it was an awesome year for our guys. Awesome year for our program. Um, and it's just, it's such a reminder guys. But, and I know you, um, 
Blythe, or excuse me, Meyer, you got inducted in the Hall of Fame, and I just remember there, you sitting there talking to your high school coaches and just how proud they were of you, right? And how and how much winning that state title, what it did to you know the community Atlantic, and I, I, you further get reminded of that this year is the the community. It was so special um, to see the fans fill Bates Field, you know, to see hundreds of young kids at our games as we lined, you know, took the stairs to come down to. To, to go to the grocery stores and go get ice cream on Thursday nights and, you know, and have 10, 15 people come up to you and, and more, and more importantly, come up to the kids and, and just, and, and thank them and, and be proud of them. And it just, it, it energizes when football is good in a school, it energizes a community. And, and, and it does, there's, I, I've now been at three different places where it's had the opportunity to do that. And this place, you know, going to the dome and going to that, you know, the place that everybody wants to be, it just, it brought so much joy to the kids, so much joy to the East side of Iowa city. It, 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 it shows you how much bigger football is than just the Friday night. So it was, it was fun, special season, um, you know, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention coach McCarney, uh, you know, he's a former little Hawk also got put into the hall of fame with Brett. So that was a neat night to be at that. I know Todd, you and I were there. That was awesome. Um, just to see those guys, but coach McCarney, you know, he's, he's the epitome of, of little Hawk football. I mean, that's, that's kind of what this place is like. And you guys know coach McCarney. I mean, there's, there's just so much history. There's so many people that are so involved. Coach McCarney would call me every Friday, every Friday morning at seven 50. I mean, I, it was like clockwork. I'd have at, towards the end. If I was doing anything at seven 50, I'd have to go, Hey, I got to go do something because I knew coach was going to call me. And, um, you know, it was just neat to, we brought his 50 year reunion back at the beginning of the year but it was just neat to see the past kind of bridge with the present. Um, and, and, and really, again, like I said, what, what high school football should bring to a community, we were able to at least provide quite a bit of that this year. And so um, hopefully the future is bright here. We're losing a bunch of seniors. We've got one of the best players in the country coming back, two sophomore quarterbacks. And so we'll get it rolling. The offseason's already started, Coach Blythe. You know how it is. I'm, I'm nice. I'm the nice guy during the season. I'm Coach Moore, man. Just got energy. I'm flying around. And, and the Monday after we lost, it was back to get your ass back to work. We got, you know, Hey, this is a great, you gotta hear this one before I go. So we get, we get go to Iowa wrestling meet the other day. And I know it's not the place to tell it, but we go down and we meet coach brands and we're in the, in the wrestling room. He looks at me and he goes, ain't freaking good enough. Was it ain't freaking good enough. That's the first thing he says to me, just shakes my hand and goes, ain't good enough. Was it? And he goes, you know, you got work to do. And I'm like, God, you I know, love, I love that. wasn't it awesome? Like a thousand people sit there and tell you, Hey, great job. And it was, it was fat. What we did was awesome. It was remarkable. He looks at me in the eyes. He goes, ain't, ain't good enough. Was it? I, 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 elite I, I, competitors are all wired. Elite, the same way. Yes. I love it. It was awesome. Yeah, so, no, I, I mean, I can tell you, man, it, it was fun to follow, follow Iowa city's uh, city highs journey this year. I mean, obviously again, I said a couple of times I got to work for you for two years at Roosevelt. Um, and, and I know what you bring to a program, what you bring to a community. Uh, so it was fun, you know, congratulations on all the success. I, you know, I expect more next year. I expect at least oh, yeah. one more game, one more game yeah. out of you guys. next. It year. ain't good enough, right? It ain't good exactly. enough. Exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a great story. You can see why coaches who are at the top stay there. Like Mitch, I know you want to be at city high for a long time and they want to keep you, but I, man, I'd be lying if I said, I, I didn't, I wouldn't love the idea of seeing you in Cardinal and gold with a headset sometime in Jack Trice. So that, that's, well, what uh, you, uh, you know, as a person to coach that that'd be fun. I think yeah. at this mainly, point, mainly though, because I want sideline passes. But. Yeah. You just want sideline <laughs> at this point, this is my, my new thing though, is at this point, the next time I move, my wife's staying here and I'm not going to leave these guys. Cause they, I'm, you know, it's, that's the hard <laughs> part of the coaching world is you're, you're just moving your family and 
and, and that, another place that makes city great is just, you know, it's a great place to raise a family here. And I know it's not, it's just for all high right, school. All right. Too much, too much, done. Fun, too You're much done. nice talk about yeah, Iowa City. Much now, yeah. Well, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it there, but <laughs> no, <laughs> Mitch, thanks for coming Mitch, on tonight, man. That was, uh, that was so much fun. I appreciate you guys. As always, coach Blythe, coach Meyer. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. Good to see you too, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. See you guys. Yeah.